Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, also keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information about all kinds of stuff related to wellness, including positive psychology, my own particular spin on that I call goal achieving psychology, rejuvenating general wellness topics, and it's also the place where you can communicate with me and even suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the podcast know, my goal is always to present you with guests who lead their own lives enthusiastically and have different ways of helping us to become the best versions of ourselves. We're on this earth to be active, not to be passive. And we're really delighted and thrilled to have a special guest today who's going to really help us in many facets of functioning with enthusiasm and with improved health. Olivia Fish is a health and empowerment coach, and she's also a number one best-selling author of a book called Lose the Weight, Create Your Healthy State. So we're going to want to hear about that. Uh, Liv, as she is frequently called, which is easier because you'll see her, uh, the way she spells Olivia is gives you some doubts, but L-I-V is hard to mispronounce. So Liv's a leading expert in the health and fitness industry with over 20 years of experience and strong connections in that community. After launching her fitness career in 2005, she fell in love with helping others to amplify their lives. And soon after she started her business, which has become one of the most successful health and life coaching businesses in the San Francisco Bay Area. She has her master's in exercise science. She's got lots of certifications. And as I mentioned, she's the number one international best-selling author of Lose the Weight, Create Your Healthy State. In addition, she holds a black belt in Kung Fu San Su, which think we'll have her explain. And she teaches a personal safety and assertiveness. She's helped thousands of people transform their lives and is passionate about helping others achieve joy and again, becoming the best versions of themselves. Her signature live empowerment programs have been praised for being refreshing, fun, educational, engaging, and inspiring. She offers one-to-one coaching and group coaching and is a public speaker as well as a trainer. So Liv, it is a real pleasure to welcome you to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. So grateful to have you join us today. Oh, thank you, Ron. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Great. Well, as you've heard and as the audience has now heard, you've got a really extensive and impressive background. How did you get into this field of overall fitness and and empowerment? 
Yeah, I know when you put it all on paper and you say it all at once, it's like, oh, wow, I'm tired just listening to that. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things I've been doing all my whole life already here. So, yes, I I grew up in a martial arts studio. So that's why I have a black belt in Kung Fu Sansu. My father has been teaching Kung Fu Sansu since I was born. He learned from a man named Jimmy H. Wu who brought Kung Fu to the United States. And so he's always had martial arts studios and I grew up training and doing martial arts. So I've always been very active. I've always been very interested in health and to I felt very connected to my body in that way and knowing when I'm taking care of it and knowing when I'm not taking care of it. And it's also been my, my journey towards health um, is not been an easy one, to be honest. It hasn't always been so easy to take care of my health and to stay connected to myself enough to, to honor what I needed to honor, honor my body, honor my sensitivity, honor my creativity, honor my intuition and sensitivity in a way that I would be able to take care of myself in a meaningful way to feel proud. So I, I started off, my young years, uh, learning Kung Fu Sun Tzu. And I love moving with people. I've always loved moving with people. I think it's just part of how I grew up is being in movement. We call when you're, when you're working out with somebody on the mat in Kung Fu, we called it essentially a workout. And we didn't think of it like exercise. Uh, it was just a workout. So train in that training in that way. So I grew up in a family that you know, was very into movement and uh, Kung Fu, martial arts. And it was, it's a self-defense practice, which gave me a lot of confidence as a young woman in the world to be able to walk around and feel very confident in my body in that way, to be able to protect myself. And I studied it in school. So as you said, I got my master's degree in exercise science and performance enhancement. I became a performance enhancement coach and dove into the world of how to take care of our bodies. Because for me, it was a way to control something that I could control, to be honest. It's like, oh, I can't control all the things that are happening around me, but I can learn how to take care of my vessel that I carry around every day. I can learn what needs to happen so that I feel connected to myself and to my body. And now I get to share that process with other people. Well, you said something interesting, lots of things that were interesting, but for those of us who have sometimes had to struggle with exercise or working out or taking care of our bodies, would expect that somebody like yourself who had had a really good start and direction in that regard, that you said you had some struggles in this regard. So maybe you can give some of the rest of us hope that uh, whatever you're going to tell us throughout the podcast comes from a place of knowing what some of us have, have had to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. So again, my, my book is called Lose the Weight, Create Your Healthy State. And when I say lose the weight, that's the physical weight we carry, which maybe is an excess, the excess adipose tissue fat we have on our body. Maybe that's the physical weight we need to lose. And maybe that weight is the emotional weight that we carry. And for me, it was 
the emotional weight I carried from adverse childhood experiences that I grew up with that were really hard for me. And part of what I disassociated with myself very early on and disassociated with my surroundings early on. And those led to a lot of compulsive behaviors that left me disconnected to myself. And I was trying to control things outside of my control in the process. And it led to me, look, it looked like um, body dysmorphia. It looked like me turning on lights on and off, it, washing my hands compulsively. It looked like later on in life in my 20s, I was overtraining my body. I was compulsively exercising, essentially, overtraining my body. And that essentially gave me an auto, autoimmune disease called lichen planus. It's this terrible skin rash that burns and itches all over your body. And I was in that space of compulsive behavior, meaning I just couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. Um, and you hear that even in uh, when people describe, you know, overeating or emotional eating, for example, like, or, or an alcoholic, right? They just, they just can't help themselves. They just didn't, I, I don't know what, what happened. I just had to have all the chips. I don't know what happened. I just had to have that drink. For me, it was the same. I, didn't, I couldn't control myself. I was picking up my skin in the mirror. I was suffering from an array, a variety of obsessive compulsive behaviors. And all due to trauma, to adverse childhood experiences that I had gone through. And part of the journey out of that was naming it for what it was and not skirting around any words, being really honest with my words and saying, wow, I am, I'm an addict essentially. And we don't use those words when we tie it to picking out my face or overtraining. We call them compulsions, but a compulsive compulsion is just a fancy word for an addict, in my opinion. And that helped me to get honest with, oh, that means I'm going to need a lot more support. That means I'm going to have to have things in place that I don't have now because I can't help myself. I actually need someone to help me. I need to figure out a different system in place here so that I can change my behavior. And that requires me to listen to my, my truth, my intuition in a different way. It requires me to ask for support and access a higher power. And those are three components that have helped me to shift out of compulsive behavior in my own life. And part of why I got into loving learning about health, because I, my spirals um, left me too low, meaning my baseline was low. And if something happened that wasn't going my way, I would fall into a depression or I'd be, I would say at the time I was just bummed out or not feeling good with the words I would use back then. And it would drop me too low. I wanted to raise my baseline essentially so that when I had a hard time or a hard moment, it wouldn't dip so low. And that required me to really take care of my body in a different way. And people overlook the basic necessities needed to take care of their body to feel better. And part of the work I do with clients is to say, it matters if you're dehydrated. It matters when you don't get enough sleep. It matters when you don't move consistently. It matters if you don't get outside in the sunlight. It matters that you eat good food, right? So 
part of this uh, journey towards health for me has been to raise my baseline essentially has been so that I take care of my body very well and from a place of love, not disconnection and including the emotions that I feel so that I can live more authentically, to be honest, and live for my truth and to continue to build that muscle of pride that's needed to keep choosing it and stay consistent. Mm -hmm. So I hope that's helpful a little bit to understand my journey, but I'm happy to dive anywhere you feel like um, listeners would enjoy. Well, I really appreciate your openness in this and, and I think it can help to inspire others. So I'm wondering if somebody is listening and they're the parent of a child or adolescent, there, there are just so many things having gone through it a couple of times uh, when the world was a little simpler, I think. Uh, there's so many things that are difficult about child rearing, but I always like to think in terms of proactivity and prevention. And from the things that you've learned and the things that you're teaching, uh, what are some of the general principles that, that of parenting that, that apply to the, your particular area? Oh, what a great, great question. I think the old saying runs true here in my experience with working with clients and even with teens and our and, and kids in general, like our children are watching. Okay. They're watching how to be um, a human. Oh, this is what it's like to be human. This is kind of like what they're taking in. This is what it's like. This is what it looks like to take care of yourself or to communicate effectively or set boundaries um, and choose self-care and choose time for yourself. This is what self-love is. And so much of the time, parents are telling kids what to do, right? Like even I have a four-year-old, right? It's like, sit down, eat your breakfast, do this, right? And I even, I caught myself this morning. I'm like, babe, sit down, eat breakfast. We got to get ready for school. And I was literally saying that and eating breakfast, standing up at the counter <laughs> while I'm telling her to go sit down and eat breakfast, right? And so it's like, oh, babe, I'm not doing that either. Can I, would you like to come and sit down to breakfast with me and we can just sit and eat slowly and have a nice conversation, right? So I think if we, we as parents can check to see what our work is to do and do it, that is the best gift you can give your child. You don't have to tell them anything. Um, I was had a client um, who just started working with me. And on that consultation call, she says, you know, my kid is 12 now. My daughter's 12. And I've hated my body my whole life. And I tried to hide it from her. I told her she was beautiful. And but I, you know, pinch my fat in the mirror. And I think I'm ugly. And I don't think I exercise enough. And I feel like crap all the time. And now I see that that's happening with her. She feels the same way. And oh, it breaks my heart, right? Like it's just the worst to think of a 12-year-old walking around thinking she's ugly or fat or whatever. And so part of it is, can we start as parents to take radical responsibility for our own life and communicate with your kid um, in regards to not telling them what to do, but telling them what we are claiming to do what we are deciding to do for ourselves and that I think is the best gift you can give your child it's going to be by integrating those empowered actions in your own life 
and just let them watch, let them see. And we, we hope to guide them in the right direction, but you know, we need better role models. We, we need way, we need much better role models that our kids need to see people living in integrity and living in, in alignment in all aspects of their life or in as many as possible. And when they're not to say it, to just say, wow, I'm telling you to sit down and eat and here I am at the breakfast counter eating. Let me apologize for that and come sit with you, right? It's just like owning it because we're not going to be perfect. But that's my, my hope and to inspire others to do that as well, to, to just be the example, be the example and take ownership for your own work would be my suggestion in the parenting space. Sounds like really tremendous advice, and uh, I'm sure it's going to register with a lot of the audience. I want to particularly ask about exercise, though, since you said that that became one of your compulsions, and we know exercise is good for you. So what do you see as the components of a rational exercise program? Yeah, beautiful. So yeah, it's kind of like any of the pillars of health, right? Like we need to eat food, right? <laughs> and we need to exercise. And sometimes that's harder to uh, navigate if you're in compulsive behavior, like for alcohol and drugs, you're like, well, no, I don't need to drink alcohol. I don't need to do drugs, right? But for things like, you know, eating and things like exercise, how do you find that balance and what, that, what does that look like? So for movement, one of the pillars of health I talk about the five pillars of health a lot. And one of them is movement. And I'm wanting to just make sure we are clear on that word. Movement is the pillar. It's not exercise. It's not workout. The pillar is movement. And so when you're thinking about the pillar of health of movement, and we want to think about, yes, there's a component of working out. And there's also a component of working in. And we need to make sure that we have a combination of both the workout and the work in, in the pillar of movement. And a work in session essentially is an intentional movement that doesn't change your respiratory system. You're not breathing heavy and it's not changing your heartbeat. Your, your, your heartbeat isn't getting uh, faster by doing the movement. And that is a work in session. And this is particularly important for people to add into their routine. I always say a good benchmark would be adding 10 minutes a day, every single day for a work-in session, especially because so many of us are dealing with a lot of stress, whether that's physical stress, emotional stress, spiritual stress, or mental stress. Okay. So there's, there's a lot of stress happening right now. And if you're constantly working out a already stressful body, it is not doing you any good. So incorporating work-in sessions are very important. And this can consist of stretching. It can consist of mobility work, doing your personal um, physical therapy that your physical therapist told you to do years ago, right? Get out that sheet of paper and actually do it so you can have the mobility you need. It could be walking. So all of these types of movements are really important. It can even just be movement and exercises that you're just doing in a restorative way, like yoga, or even it could even just be a sit-up. It could be really anything that's not changing your heartbeat and not changing your breath pattern. And 
if people would incorporate those more, I think people would be more consistent because here's the, the deal. We want to do essentially 20 to 30 minutes every single day. That would be great. That's going to keep you healthy. And when you're, when you think you have to show up for some hit class or boot camp class or get your body super sweaty on a bike every day, it's not possible because your body actually doesn't want that. It just wants movement. But if you said to somebody, you know what, take a 20 minute walk after you have breakfast and you want take another walk again after dinner. They're like, oh, maybe I can do that. I might be able to do that. So we need to kind of think of it as more of an umbrella of movement and say, well, what are my goals? What do I actually want to achieve? Do I care about um, losing weight? Is it that I want to get stronger? Is it just that I want to be healthy as I get older and, and have mobility and be able to keep up with my grandkids? And once you have those goals, then you can create a plan. And most of the time people are um, underrating the workout the, the work in sessions needed and overvaluing the big hit workout classes that get you all sweaty. And it's just not sustainable. We're not athletes. Okay. Like we can't pretend like we're 18 or 25 or even 30. And, and you want to make sure that you're able to match your goals to what you're doing and the lifestyle that you're wanting to have. So here's a couple of tips. You got to stay consistent. I have a rule that you never want to miss twice. So if you miss a Monday, don't miss Tuesday, right? Don't ne never miss twice. Add in work in sessions, 10 minutes a day. Add in strength training. Everybody needs to do strength training. This is just the deal. So find a way to make it fun. You got two to three days a week for strength training and anything else you want to do for movement. It's all good. As long as you're moving, you're, you can check that pillar off for the day feeling proud. So the key term is movement, which I think will be reassuring to a lot of people who feel that uh, you really have to work up a sweat or that uh, you have to do something like hit training or, or whatever it may be, or you have to deal with something that doesn't go well with your injury or whatever it may be. But I, I can certainly, you know, vouch for the fact that, you know, the important thing is, is to not to not miss two days in a row. I mean, uh, those times once in a while when I get it, when I get sick and don't work out uh, or move for a couple of days, it, it just makes it easier to keep not doing it. You know, it's, it's a yeah. challenge, you know, or if we're taking a, a trip somewhere and, and they've got two big travel days in a row. So it, it really is important to, to make that a priority. So I think I, probably have at least part of the answer to the next question, but I know your uh, Live Empowerment programs uh, very well known. There are lots of health-oriented programs out there. There's a lot of things. Uh, what, what is there that's unique about yours or uh, that, that are kind of the signature elements of your programs? Yeah, thanks for asking. Really, for me, I think there's not enough integration into how is this going to apply to that person? There's a lot of one size fits all and there's a lot of information out there. The health and wellness industry is a $4 trillion business <laughs> trying to get people to move and eat healthy and drink water and go outside and 
go to bed on time, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that what I do different is I'm curating the information for the individual to say, well, this is all here. Here's everything on the internet. <laughs> here's what, here's all the information, but you don't need to know all the information. You just need to know this. Okay. This is going to be helpful for you because you told me these are your goals. And then not just giving them information because really that's just 20% of it. Most people know exactly what they need to do to take care of their health, but there's no integration into their actual life. So what I help clients do is the majority of what I'm doing is not just giving them lots of information. It's saying, here's curated information for you, for these goals. But in addition, having them come up with their roadmap. Everybody knows um, what is good for them and life enhancing and what is life diminishing if you take a moment to ask yourself. And you get to be, everybody has the opportunity to say in every single moment, in every single decision they make about their health, is this going to be life enhancing or is this going to be life diminishing? And I'm going to start to know the difference between these two. And I'm going to choose the life enhancing thing. And knowing how to integrate that into your busy life is not easy to do. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with your audience here. It's not easy to do. It's, it's what nobody is doing. At the end of the day, people are distracting themselves with sugary foods and coffee in the morning and binge eating after dinner and social media distractions or Netflix TV covering up what they're really longing for. And so part of the, the work I do with people is to actually find out who's really hungry. It's not your body wanting chips. What is actually going on here? And let's get your actual needs met because you deserve to feel fulfilled. You deserve to be shining bright. You deserve to have energy in your day. And that is the work I do with clients and connecting them back to that why and just shining a mirror of that vision and saying, hey, you said that you want this. Let me just shine it right back at you. And so that you remember who you are and why you're here. And that support, I think, is needed way more. And that's a support that I give in my programs and, and in these sessions. And um, I think that's why they've been so well received. Well, it sounds really terrific. But I'm sure there are a, a number of people listening to this because that's what they do. They're sedentary. They listen. They, their movement is not part of things. Is What advice do you have for the, the person who says, that, well, you know, I've been doing this my whole life and it sounds good. In fact, that's why I'm listening. I, you know, I'm an information junkie, but uh, so I know it sounds good, uh, but I, I can't offset 50 or 60 or 70 years of uh, not doing some of the things that, that Liv is talking about. What do you say to them? Yeah, I think that we believe there's a, there's a, there's a lie we've been told. Okay. And I, I'm, my hope is that we can debunk this lie. The lie we've been told is that if I know something, I should be able to do something. I don't know where, where this came from, but this is not true. If you know something, that's just you knowing it. It has nothing to do with your ability to do it. And 
if you know something, it's not going to mean that you do something different. It doesn't have anything to do with the action. And I think people spend a lot of time beating themselves up like, oh, I'm sedentary. I'm not moving. I'm not doing what I should. I know I need to be doing. I know better. I know better. I know better. And I'm like, well, of course, you know better. You know everything. You're the most enlightened person on this planet, just like everybody else, <laughs> if you choose to be, right? The, the act, the practice of saying, I have a busy life. I'm sedentary. I work a lot, or I'm just not used to moving. I've been like this my whole life. To then saying, you know what? I'm going to get off the couch right now. I'm going to take a breath. And that's going to take 10 seconds to get off this couch. That's how long it's going to take. And I'm deciding to go on a walk. And eight minutes into this walk, I'll probably feel proud of myself. So I think I can, I think I can do this. So let me count one, two, and you can count to 10 while you get your butt off the couch. And then you can manage to get outside and you can time yourself and say, well, if I don't like what's happening in eight minutes, I'll go back on the couch. But it usually takes 10 minutes. I have this saying, it's like eight minutes till proud, eight minutes till proud. If I can just do this for eight minutes, I'm sure I can do it for longer. And I'm going to be stoked and proud of myself in eight minutes. So first, people need more support than they think. Knowing is not the same as doing. And if you're beating yourself up, having that gap, minding that gap there, if you're beating yourself up about that, it's going to be hard to go into action. So my suggestion is you just need more support. I actually know how to do my taxes. I know exactly how to do my taxes. I know everything that would be involved to do my taxes. I am never going to do my taxes alone. I am always going to pay somebody to do my taxes. Does that make sense? Because that is just hard for me. So if people can say, anytime I'm having a hard time doing something, I actually just get support, that would speed things along. That would speed things along for them to go into their work that they're, they want to be up to. And having these, these, I, these little things I just shared with you, like it takes me 10 minutes, 10, sorry, 10 seconds to get off the couch. It takes me eight minutes to feel proud. Things like this work for changing your mind about changing your state and changing your behavior and changing your habits. And it takes one little step at a time, it takes 10 seconds and then eight minutes. Doing it in chunks, small chunks, not trying to change everything at once and knowing where you tend to self-sabotage is really important. Well, the, the difference between knowing something and doing something is, uh, you know, that's that's really remarkable information because I don't think I've heard it put that way before and can be very helpful to us. And I certainly agree for those of us who lead pretty active lifestyles, the, the self-reinforcement that occurs when you actually do it can keep you going. The hardest part is, uh, you know, getting up and getting started. Once once you do that, then after, as, as I'm sure you and uh, your successful clients have learned, that once you do it, it becomes harder to not do it than, than to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to say one more thing that you are sparking here for me to share. It's that people are waiting to feel motivated. 
like, well, maybe I'll feel like it tomorrow. Or they're like, well, maybe at the start of the week, everyone's trying to start things on Monday, for example, right? Like, oh, on Monday, I'll start. Or at the beginning of the year, it's going to be a new year, then I'll get started. Or after the summer, you know, they have this idea of one day I'll be motivated. And they also think that high performers are motivated. I am never motivated to eat a carrot or do a pull-up or do anything, really. I just have systems in place so that I do it. And I think that relying on motivation is also a lie. There's no such thing as motivation. It's just that I have a system in place that I just end up showing up anyway. And every now and then I am motivated, but it has nothing to do with me showing up. It's just a bonus. Like, oh, today I really feel like going on a walk. That's interesting. How fun. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't require motivation. And I think that when we wait for motivation, we end up playing the waiting game. And that leads to the shame game. And the cycle continues. Nothing changes. Well, we've gotten so much great information, you know, Liv. I really appreciate all that you've uh, kind of shared with us. Uh, and I still have some questions. So I got to get them out rapid fire ways because I just noticed that we're getting close to time. So let me take maybe the least important one first, but it's a curiosity one. Uh, I think I know what Kung Fu is. What is Kung Fu Sansu. Yeah, so Kung Fu Sansu is essentially a combination of different practices. So sometimes people focus on punches, sometimes people focus on kicks, sometimes um, there's a practice of ground and grappling or leverages in different um, modalities. And this is bringing essentially these five families together into what's called Kung Fu Sansu. And it's a self-defense art, the self-defense practice. And it essentially will allow you to learn how to defend yourself against an attacker. It's not a sport, or I haven't learned it as a sport. It was a very practical, tangible thing to say, hey, if you're grabbed from behind, this is what you do. If, you know, things like that to just protect your physical body. So that's the, the practice I grew up with. Okay, great. Thank you. And uh, very importantly, can you give us the Cliff Notes version of what people will find when they get your book and where can they get it? Yeah, great. So, yes, the book is called Lose the Weight, Create Your Healthy State. You can buy it on Amazon, but I'd love to give everybody a free downloadable copy if you'd like. You can go to losetheweightbook.com and you can get a free copy there. And here's the summary. The process to empower your health essentially is what I write out in the book. And there's seven steps. Each step is a letter in the word empower to make it easy to remember, hopefully. And the first thing people do when they think that they want to be healthy and strong is to add in a workout or add something to their life. But this is where people get tripped up. So the first step in the process is what I call eliminate the dead weight meaning it's time to just get rid of things. Even if you just do this step over and over and over again, you're most likely going to succeed and reach your goals. So eliminate the dead weight can just be like, oh, I'm just going to stop doing this. I'm going to eliminate this. I'm going to clear this out of my life. I'm going to just keep making more space for something else to come in. The second step is to make a way out of no way, make time for what matters and what actually I want to prioritize now. Maybe I've been a people pleaser my whole life. Maybe I haven't been setting good boundaries. It's time for me to show up from the self bucket of life and not just in my relationships and work, but for me. 
So that's the M, make a way, make time. And the P is stepping into a powerful state. And that is the ability to cross-train your skills, meaning that Ron is very good at something. And he can apply what he's already good at to the business of his health. And that's what I help clients do in this step. The O is to get out of a fear state and get out of stress. And knowing how to handle and cope with stresses is a huge, important task we all have to take on, especially as the world gets a little heavier and heavier each year here. The W is stands for who's really hungry. I spoke about that. What are you actually longing for? You've got a lot of different parts of you. You've got your physical self, your emotional self, your intellect, and your spiritual self, and they all need tending to. And then the E, the last E is for creating an effortless state. It's how we're going to make all this really fun and easy and be excited and enthusiastic about our lives here, right? And knowing how to do that is really important. And the last one for the R is how to rinse, repeat, and recover, meaning we sometimes need to do a rinse, meaning we need to have a big cry, a big emotional release, a big letting go that's required to move past our patterns and triggers. And repeating the steps to empower any part of your life that you want to amplify and elevate. So that is the process I teach people in my group coaching practice, as well as in the book. And learning how to empower your health is a way for you to empower your life and be up to purposeful work and do the work that we're meant to do here. Great. Well, thanks for sharing all that with us. And Thanks for sharing uh, the free copy of the book, and we'll have the information in the show notes. The other bit of information is, uh, you know, again, we didn't half exhaust the number of questions that I have. So aside from perhaps getting you back, the uh, how do we find you? Are you online? If somebody wants to work with you directly, do you have to be in San Francisco? Or I guess I... That's yeah. the most general way I can ask the question. Yeah, so I have clients from all over the world, which is really fun. <laughs> and um, you don't have to be in the Bay Area or San Francisco. And I have a one-on-one in group coaching uh, practice, as well as I do speaking and trainings all over. So pretty much the best way to get a hold of me is if you're interested in getting the book, um, you can always send me your email and you can be on my subscription list and get the book. You can also go to oliviafish.com and that's my website and any social media platform, you'll find me at Olivia Fish. And my name is spelled O-L-I-V-E-Y-A-H. So Olivia and anywhere that you search my name, I will pop up on social media, my website and um, yeah, happy to have you get a copy, get a free copy of your book and we can be in touch. Usually if this is something that's resonating with you and you're like, oh yeah, it's time for me to do something different. I would love to just jump on a call and see if we're a good fit. And if we're not a good fit, I'm not interested in working with you. I, I'm in a collaboration with hundreds of other coaches and I will point you in the right direction because it's my mission to not necessarily have you work with me, but have you find the right help that you need and the right support that you need to be able to uh, transform and reach your goals. Only 8% of people are reaching their goals each year. And if that goal is tied to health, that number goes down to 2%. And so we got to change that. 
So that's what I'm on a mission to do. Great. Well, thanks. And you did spell Olivia. You maybe better spell fish because some people go get yeah, that. That's true. So yeah, my last name is spelled fish. It's F-I-S-C-H. So my name is not easy to spell, but hopefully you can have it in the show notes, my website, yeah. oliviafish.com and losetheweightbook.com. And um, you can find me on all the platforms. I Even if you probably spell my name wrong, I'll probably pop up there somewhere on Google. So. Great. Well, we will get all this information in the show notes. I can't thank you enough for all the, that you've been willing to share with us, for your openness, for the completeness that you've shared with respect to your program and the tremendous suggestions that we can have. And as I said, I can't promise that I won't have you back or at least try to get you back. I appreciate all that you've done and uh, best of success moving forward. Yeah. Thank you, Ron. I'd be so happy to do a round two. That'd be so fun. I'd love that. Great. And so this brings to a conclusion uh, another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Certainly this is one of the, the really best ones that we've had and one of the most informative. But every guest is very uh, informative, helpful, generally entertaining, and uh, can help us become the best versions of ourselves. So while we thank Olivia Fish, we hope that you will tell your friends about the podcast in general, but especially this one, download it, have them download it, rate, review it, and be back next time when we have another really, truly remarkable guest. In the meantime, visit the website, mentalhealthgym.com, and make sure that you order your book, because, uh, you know, we don't, we don't get entire books offered all the time, so that's that's terrific, and particularly one that offers such useful information. And as we close out the podcast, again, have yourselves a real good week. At least while we're recording this, we are still dealing with another surge of the coronavirus. So be sure that while you're staying positive, that you're also staying safe. It's Dr. Ron Kaiser looking forward to meeting up with you again next week.